Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. This is the OIS Podcast. I'm Tom Salemi. Thank you for joining us. Before I introduce this week's exciting guest, I would very much like to thank this week's sponsor of the OIS Podcast, Johnson & Johnson Vision. Johnson & Johnson Vision is committed to improving and restoring sight for patients worldwide through their world-leading AccuView brand contact lens portfolio, the newly acquired cataract surgery, laser refractive, and consumer eye health businesses. Johnson & Johnson Vision now serves more than 60 million patients a day across 103 countries. Thanks, Johnson & Johnson Vision, for sponsoring this week's OIS podcast. Our guest today is James McLaughlin. James McLaughlin is the president and CEO and co-founder of a cool new company called Gemini Therapeutics. Gemini was founded in 2015, raised the seed round in 2016, and yesterday revealed it had raised it had raised $42.5 million for Series A. Its investors all along have been Orbimed, Atlas, and Lightstone, three great names. And Gemini is going after the AMD space, the complement system in the treatment of AMD. But it's doing it a bit differently than other companies are doing. It's got a uh, multimodal approach that will allow the company to identify some compelling targets in the complement system. And it's going about it uh, using a precision therapeutic sort of way, identifying subsets of the AMD population and looking for ways to treat those genetically unique people. So James McLaughlin will do a much better job than I am explaining this, and we'll get into the technology, its origins, and its financings. But before we get into this podcast, I want to let you know we'll be releasing the roster of presenting companies at this year's OIS at AAO. It'll be coming to your mailbox this week, so keep a lookout for that. Or go to OIS.net to check the agenda as we post those great names up there. Now let's get into this podcast with James McLaughlin of Gemini Therapeutics. James McLaughlin, welcome to the podcast. Pleasure to be here. Thanks so much, Tom. So you've you've announced some big news, your 4.25 million Series A, and uh, I know you've probably got a lot of requests, and I know you've got a busy day today, so I'm going to uh, set aside the, the, the formalities of asking about you, because we'll have you back on the podcast, I'm sure, to talk more broadly about what you're doing. But I want to really dig into Gemini. And the first question is always the hardest. You co-founded Voyager Therapeutics. You now get Gemini Therapeutics. Are you a a NASA fan? Is this a theme we got going on? Are we going to look at Apollo sometime in the near future? (laughs) That actually is a, that is very insightful. uh, (laughs) Um, So, I I mean, there, there are multiple reasons we named the company Gemini. We, we like the fact that it had two eyes in the name. We like that it sounded a little bit like, like the eye and had that connotation of, of ophthalmology with the, with the twins and the duality. But uh, you're right. Um, there's a commonality around uh, space programs as well. Excellent. Well, now that, now that you've entertained that silliness, let's get right into what you do. Uh, talk a bit about the origins of the company. You founded it in, in 2015, correct? That's right. It's about two and a half years old at this point, and we've been in, in stealth mode for a while. Um, and uh, the company uh, is really uh, founded around uh, genetics. 
uh, and specifically genetics in age-related macular degeneration. Um, and it's been kind of a longstanding interest of mine and, and something that the scientific founders and SAB members uh, involved in the company have been working on for much of their careers or, or most of their careers in some cases. And um, it's a story that's gotten better and better over time. Um, I've been following it since some of the early reports around 12 years ago. And um, uh, we got quite excited, uh, especially over the last couple of years when information started coming out around uh, rare variants associated with AMD, which, um, which put patients at extremely high risk of developing uh, advanced AMD, whether that was uh, uh, wet AMD or geographic atrophy secondary to AMD. Uh, so variants that would increase risk of disease by 20, 20 fold or something like that. Um, some cases more than that. Um, variants that were associated with uh, earlier age of onset and uh, severe uh, clinical phenotypes. So um, the, the thought behind the company was really to dig into this very rich data set um, and use it to identify patients who are at high risk um, and also use it as the inspiration for a uh, therapeutics pipeline. Um, so what we did is we um, matched specific uh, rare variants or in some cases common variants with, um, with targets that were uh, functionally consequential and uh, linked to AMD. And then we built our pipeline by matching therapeutic candidates directly to um, genetic targets that um, we had prioritized and, and the field had prioritized. I want to get into how this approach differs from some of the other programs out there. We've obviously seen a lot of uh, a lot of attention to this area, to this disease. But uh, how did the company come together in, in 2015? Because you've got a, a quite a network of uh, of institutions that you're affiliated with. I mean, how how does in, anyone who wants to check out your your information? You've got GeminiTherapeutics.com, which is a, a very sleek website. So there's a lot of data up there, and they can check out the individual partners on there as well as your, your team members. But how did, the, uh, how did you all begin working together and uh, what, uh, what ultimately brought you together? Uh, yeah, so I, as you said, there are, there are a lot of uh, really good people involved in the company that we've been building relationships with over the last uh, two and a half years, a number of partners, a number of academic institutions that uh, we can talk about in a second that have been really critical to building the company. Um, Essentially, what we did is um, we we uh, talked to people in the the AMD field, people in particular who are interested in epidemiology and the genetics of AMD, and um, really used that as a jumping-off point to um, once we had prioritized certain targets to really talk to people who are experts in the areas of biology that were implicated by the genetics, and um, we then. Um, thought very carefully about what therapeutic modalities would be uh, most well-suited to tar targeting those, um, those therapeutic targets. And uh, we've identified a, a couple of different molecules. Um, as you said, uh, some of this information is on our website, but we've got a fairly broad pipeline now, um, seven uh, in preclinical uh, research, um, seven different molecules in preclinical research. Uh, there's one candidate in preclinical development right now and that spans um, a variety of different um, you know, IP portfolios and technologies, including 
um, recombinant proteins, uh, monoclonal antibodies, and, and gene therapies. And, and you're, you're targeting the, uh, the complement system, the regulatory pr- uh, protein specifically. Uh, how, this is, again, an area that we've seen a lot of interest in. We've unfortunately seen some, some setbacks in clinical trials. Do you think your approach, which you're, you're calling your, your multimodal approach, is this uh, a sure way of getting a, a better shot on net than, uh, than other approaches? And I'm not looking for you to, to identify others who may not be doing things as you are, but how is your approach, you think, perhaps going to be more effective than, uh, than other approaches in this area? Yeah. Um, so there are a couple of uh, elements to our approach that are, that are different here. Uh, one is the precision therapeutics approach. So we are directly matching... Uh, a patient's uh, genotype to a specific uh, mechanism of action to a specific drug. So we're not targeting something um, downstream in a biochemical pathway. We are you know, very closely linking um, what our drug does to the underlying uh, genetically defined defect that, that exists not in every patient, but in, but in some patients. Um, so uh, that approach, I think, is, um, is relatively new in the AMD field. Um, Another element um, of the approach is um, the the, the rare variant approach. So, um, you know, I come from a a rare disease background, as do many of the um, board members and scientific uh, advisory board members and and founders associated with the company, which means that, you know, we're approaching uh, AMD um, by segmenting the disease into into different groups based on their genetic profile and based on differences in the underlying biology. And um, because we have this kind of rare disease mentality, of course, AMD is, is quite common, but um, we are able uh, through analysis of some of the genetics behind the disease to identify groups of different sizes within the umbrella of AMD and, and go after those patient populations individually. Um, and uh, we're focused in particular on patients with rare genetic variants, um, and we are willing to go after uh, relatively small subsets of AMD mm-hmm. uh, if we think that uh, they could potentially benefit um, benefit more. Uh, they might have higher risk, um, so we're, we're taking that approach. Um, that's that also is a little bit new, I think, when you look across the the AMD field, where many of the trials are. Um, you know, broader in terms of the patients that they enroll, mm-hmm. um, defined by clinical criteria, but not based on genetics. Interesting. Uh, do you have a number as to how many groups you've identified? Yeah, we're, so we're currently pursuing uh, three distinct uh, genetically defined patient populations uh, with, um, with dry age-related macular degeneration. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have, uh, they have different genetic backgrounds, um, and we're pursuing each of them with with different uh, therapeutics that are tailored to the mutations that they that they have, then increased risk of of uh, developing advanced disease. How does that play out as you move these programs forward in terms of structuring clinical trials, the size of clinical trials, things like that? Is it is it easier working with these smaller subsets? Um, is it easier? And that's a that's a good question. It's um, it's potentially um, there. There are a couple of different advantages. Uh, the the disadvantage is uh, you have to go through the process of uh, identifying patients with some of these uh, some of these variants that we've been talking about, um, and so there's a little bit of work to do on the front end to mm-hmm. 
identify those patients and evaluate them and understand their clinical characteristics. So it's necessary to invest in some of those uh, studies and that work uh, before you start interventional studies. So uh, that's, that's an additional step that needs to be done, and, uh, and, and we're definitely focused on that. The, the hope is um, by enrolling patients with specific uh, rare genetic variants, you can identify patients who are more likely to respond, um, who uh, are at extremely high you know, uh, clinical need. Uh, they have extremely high risk uh, profiles and uh, potentially they might respond uh, faster uh, and you might need fewer patients than, than, a, than a larger study. But I think the primary motivation is the patients are inherently um, more homogeneous than uh, a traditional um, dry AMD study and, and therefore we might be able to see a response um, a little bit more clearly. That's a great point. How do you see Gemini being identified in a few years. Are you going to be an ophthalmology company? Is ophthalmology going to be just one program among, among many? And uh, perhaps in that answer, you've, your, your team is, uh, has a lot of strength in ophthalmology. You've got folks from Shire and Genentech. Perhaps you could talk about, a bit about your, your roots in ophthalmology. Yeah, I mean, the, the company is definitely has, has strong roots in ophthalmology, and that, um, that goes kind of across the management team. Um, you know, I, I started out um, a number of years ago working on uh, anti-angiogenic, um, wet AMD therapeutics. Uh, we've got members of our team from, from Shire who worked in ophthalmology, from Genentech who worked in ophthalmology. Uh, obviously, we've got some, um, some very important luminaries in the ophthalmology field uh, on our SAB as well. Um, and they've, uh, they've played a big role in defining um, AMD as this kind of genetically defined, uh, the genetically defined subsets behind AMD in a little bit more depth. So we've got strong roots in AMD, I think, um, and uh, in ophthalmology in general. Um, so that's, that's definitely a strong element of the company. The um, one element of the company is really crossing boundaries, I would say, between dif- disciplines. So one thing that we've been trying to do is to combine people who uh, have really deep experience in um, retinal biology, for example, um, who worked on uh, rare retinal diseases, people like uh, Dean Bach and Alan Wright, who've made pivotal contributions there, uh, combining their expertise with people like Joanna Seddon, who has uh, you know, made uh, pretty groundbreaking contributions in the in the AMD field, uh, Napoleon Ferrara, of course, who uh, has has made very significant contributions to the AMD field with um, with his work on VEGF, uh, and combine those with people who really understand the biology around some of our targets, including um, you know uh, concepts related to innate immunity uh, and uh, extracellular matrix remodeling, and combine those people with expertise around the technology that we might need to use. Um, so. Uh, we've got a number of people from the um, adeno-associated viral gene therapy community um, also involved in the company. Um, so we've really been trying to bridge bridge those disciplines and combine that expertise. And um, somewhere in the middle um, is, is where the company sits. Great. And final question. I know you need to go. Let's just talk about the news of the day. 
you raised uh, for, for $42.5 million, uh, Series A, yeah. from uh, Atlas, Lightstone, and Orbimed, three great investors, and I think they were seed investors as well. So just talk a bit about that, were, that, yeah. that process, uh, the fundraising process. I mean, it's, it's great if your seed investors step up to provide your Series A, but what was that process like, and what are your plans to do with, what do you plan to do with the capital? Uh, yeah, so we've been really privileged to have a, a series of uh, really, really fantastic investors. As you said, they were investors in our seed round in, in 2016 and also investors in our Series A. And um, uh, the, the way that I always pitched the company and thought about the company was, you know, this is a company that has a goal to, to make a really uh, significant difference uh, for patients with atrial macular degeneration. And uh, we had a, a number of ideas about, you know, how that could be done. And uh, the seed period, the period between uh, our initial financing in 2016 and, and today, uh, was really devoted to uh, generating proof of concept uh, data. We've spent around uh, 18 months in R&D already um, in stealth mode. Um, and uh, really, you know, reproducing data out of academia, generating important uh, proof of concept uh, data. And uh, the, the concept was always, you know, if that was positive, that, um, that uh, we, would, we would raise a significant Series A. Uh, and uh, we were successful in a number of the key seed experiments, and, and therefore the Series A uh, came through. Um, so uh, it's been going... Um, uh, fairly according to plan so far in that respect. And how far will this capital carry you in terms of clinical development, pipeline development? Yeah, so the, the capital um, is intended to take us um, into the clinic with uh, more than one program. Um, and uh, obviously, we'll also be building out our team and um, building out the infrastructure of the company as well. Excellent. Well, I know you have a lot to do. I appreciate you taking some time with me, and you've got a lot of capital to do it with now. So that's uh, that's great news for you. So thanks for joining us, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at a at a future OIS. Absolutely, and I, I do listen to the podcast, by the way, and and have attended OIS in the past. So uh, thanks so much for your uh, your 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 leadership and contributions to the community. Wow, it's, uh, it's been really helpful. I think. I uh, thank you, and I did not pay you to do that. So I appreciate the the, the compliment. <laughs> And uh, look forward to seeing you at OIS very soon. Okay. Thanks a lot. That's a wrap, everyone. Thank you, James McLaughlin, for joining us on the OIS podcast. I know this is an extremely busy week, and we really do appreciate you taking a few minutes to share Gemini's story. Thank you also for the kind words about the podcast. It's great to uh, hear that we're having an impact out there, and you're always welcome back on the show. Thank you to our other OIS podcast listeners, if you wouldn't mind doing us a few favors, some for us and some for yourself. Number one, this one really will help you. If you're listening to the podcast and you see a subscribe button, push that, and the podcast will be sent directly to your listening device. Also, if you wouldn't mind telling your colleagues about the OIS podcast, if they love innovation in ophthalmology as much as you do, it'd be great to have more people listening, the more the better. Along that same thought, if you wouldn't mind giving us a positive ranking on iTunes, that will help the people you don't know find the podcast. And finally, let us know how we're doing. Shoot me an email, tom at healthag.com. That's the word health, followed by the letters E-G-Y. 
www.thinkingdeeply.com. Let us know who we should talk to, what we should talk about, or just say hello. It'd be great to uh, hear from our listeners out there. Finally, please don't forget, we are going to be announcing the roster of presenting companies for the upcoming OIS and AAO. You should look for your inbox for that list or go to ois.net to check it out. And while you're there, don't forget to register for OIS at AAO. And we will see you in New Orleans.